great to be with you. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. This is the Jewish Growth Podcast. And in recent days, social media is all over the news. Elon Musk is reshaping Twitter. Facebook is making major layoffs. Perhaps the biggest story, though, is the dramatic rise of TikTok. Today, TikTok is the world's most popular app used by two-thirds of American teens. Why is TikTok so big? And the answer is that the Chinese company developed a very sophisticated algorithm to read the emotions of users. So when a user goes on TikTok and sees catchy videos, the app reads your emotion by the time that you pause on a video. If you are depressed, anorexic, struggling with anxiety, TikTok will soon figure you out. Starting out with your, with viral videos with millions of views, the app will quickly drive you into a more niche air, video area that you hopefully become obsessed with. Well, hopefully, at least according to the app developers. Now, people use social media for a lot of good reasons. Think about someone facing a health crisis in their life or in their family. They can connect with a network of other people in similar circumstances on social media. But on the other hand, the addictive nature of TikTok shows us how social media can also drive us into the darkest of corners. Now, I've heard people talk about the rise of online communities, and on the one hand, what could be better than community? On the other hand, TikTok and other virtual spaces show us how we can wind up in the wrong community. In the Torah, we discover the importance of community. Hashem told Avram that Sodom may be destroyed, and so Avram prayed for the city. And his prayer is enthralling, because Avram makes the salvation of Sodom dependent on the presence of a community of tzaddikim. As we learn from subsequent verses and later prophets like Yechezkel, Sodom was really the anti-community place. Residents of the town were opposed to helping the poor and passers-by. The prophet says, they did not strengthen the hands of the poor. And yet, Avram inquired of Hashem, perhaps there are 50 tzaddikim in the city. It would be sacrilegious for the judge of the entire earth to destroy Sodom if there are 50 righteous people. And the Almighty agrees that if there are 50 righteous, the place should be saved. And Avram counters perhaps there are 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. And critically, Avram stops at the number 10. What is the significance of this number? Now, later in the story of the spies, the 10 men who spoke ill of the land of Israel are referred to by the Torah as this Eidara, the evil assembly. And a rabbis infer that from this, that even 10 people can be considered an assembly. Based on this, we arrive at the idea that 10 gathered are considered a minion or proper assembly. And likewise, if there were 10 righteous people, Sodom would contain a righteous core and the whole city is worth saving. Why is this so? What is the presence? Why is the presence of a community the determining factor to save Sodom? We all know just how impactful community can be. I was thinking about this the other night. We had a special Kabbalat Shabbat in Shul in honor of the Worldwide Shabbos Project. Here we were singing in such a spirited way, and I'm sitting with 50 tzaddikim, 45, 50 people, and how different that experience was than it would have been if, if I was just sitting by myself. We're influenced by community. We're influenced by people around us, and that's actually a big part of the backdrop of the partio that we learn 
around this time of year. And Lot, of course, initially lived in the shadow of his uncle Avraham. And the Torah criticizes Lot when it points out that Sodom, where he goes to live, is actually filled with sinners. And the people of Sodom impact Lot because while Avraham was the consummate man of kindness, Lot's mind gets twisted in his new neighborhood. When the Malachim, the angels, uh, arrive to Lot's house, he begs them to be his guests. And then the local townsmen come knocking, demanding to meet the guests. And in an effort to protect the guests, Lot offers his daughters unto the men in place of the guests. And this perversion is paralleled in a later biblical story, noted for its similarities to the story of Lot. In Shoftim Chav, Judges chapter 20, we read about the tragic incident known as Pelegish Begiva, or concubine at Giva. In one of the most consequential moments in biblical history, a man from Yehuda traveled to the Benjamin region of Israel with his concubine, and he stopped off in the town of Giva in search of hospitality at night. But no one there was interested in helping him out. And finally, an elder from Ephraim, who happened to be going through the place as well, took the family into where he was staying. And the people of Giva, the townspeople, come to the house seeking to know the male guest. And instead of sending the man outside, this hospitable elder sends out the concubine. And she was subsequently molested, horrifically so, to the point of her death. And more atrocities followed And the situation devolved into a civil war. There's many parallels between the story of Lod and Sodom and the concubine in Giva. The story of Sodom teaches us how a society or a community can go awry. And the concubine in Giva story, in parallel, suggests that a Jewish city too can act like the wicked Sodom. And the polar opposite of all this is Avraham, the father figure who sought to build people and to build community. When the Almighty proposed that Sodom had to go, Avram asked, perhaps there's a small nucleus of righteous people within Sodom. Why did Avram believe that the existence of 10 tzaddikim, 10 righteous, would save the city? The answer seems to be that the presence of a righteous core of tzaddikim lift up the entire locale. Perhaps you've had an experience where the deed of one righteous person lifted up your day. I was thinking about this recently, a a visit to my new dentist here, and I had never met the dentist, but he was very kind, interested in my work as a rabbi, asking me about my podcast, and when I left the office, I was informed that he was giving me a 50% break on a treatment that I needed. I was so touched by this kindness, and it actually occurred just about a week after I happened to be in a local stop and shop, and a Catholic woman comes up to me, and she hands me a $5 bill, thanking me profusely for the synagogue's work for the local, for our community. And so you just see how a, a person can, can brighten your day. But Avram teaches us that a group of tzaddikim can change a city, even justify the city. If there is a community of tzaddikim, they have the power to transform the whole place, and the city is needed because of the presence of those righteous people. We all make choices about who we spend time with, and these choices impact our moral character. The Rambam and Hilkas Deus notes that our character is shaped by the society around us, and so we should strive to live 
with people, to interact with people who positively impact us. We need to build community because Judaism is really all about connecting to Hashem in real life. There are some people that seek spirituality and solitude, and that is a positive thing. It is something that is necessary. And yet it's not enough because real life unfolds amongst the community of real people that surround us. But how do we build that core of tzaddikim? Where do we go for that? Patriarchs offer us an example to follow because they didn't build the Jewish people around restaurants or sports stadiums, but they were built around the places where we call out together to Hashem. I feel fortunate now to be a rabbi of a synagogue with a wonderful building. I love the social hall, the space that we have. But the essence of our show is the sanctuary. It's the place that we stand before Hashem in the silent Amida, the silent Shemona Esrei. Talmud and Brachos teaches us that Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov respectively modeled prayer morning, afternoon, and evening. And likewise, our rabbis instruct us to say the Amida three times a day. Halacha teaches that the Amida is to be said silently, each person uttering the words, but so softly that the person next to you actually cannot hear. So here's an irony. On the one hand, we gather as a community for prayer. On the other hand, we facilitate this moment where every individual is talking privately with the Creator in the presence of community. And so here is the paradox. On the one hand, we come together. And at the same time, we we retain our individual identity, reciting the, the tefillah silently. As we do so, we create a spiritual space and experience And that's really where community grows. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live. In fact, just this morning, we had someone who lives about 25 minutes away drive in for the very first time to our minion. It was someone that I met on social media. And here we were meeting the first time. And the minion came together, in part thanks to him. And we come together. We strive to make the silent moments of Amida, a time that we're focused on talking with God, a time of holy silence that we create together. Where do you connect with community? There's many ways people try to form community, online communities, political groups. But when we walk in the ways of the Avot and the Imahot, the patriarchs and the matriarchs, we learn the Jewish community really begins at its core in Shoal and with Minyan. And the amazing thing is, every person really can be part of this, however much you know or don't know, whether you pray in English, in Hebrew, Russian, or whatever language, Persian, you can connect with Hashem through the words of Amida. And while there's many communities, nothing can replace the experience that people have gathering in tefillah at a live minion. Through gathering in the flesh, we, we unite, we dedicate a sacred space, and we connect with Hashem. And so... When we build community together, when we build minion, when we build a synagogue, it means a lot in our lives, and it means a lot in the lives of the people and the town or the city or the region that is around us, because we're creating a space where people call out unto God. Where does it all begin? Where do the Jewish people begin? The Jewish people begin in the holy moments of Amida, of standing before God, in the special places, in the sanctuaries where we call out and we proclaim the name of Hashem, El Olam, God, creator of the universe. Thanks for being with me. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this 
is the Jewish Growth Podcast.